Well, I am glad to be in church. Are you glad to be here this morning? If you are, let's praise God together. Man, today we continue this sermon series entitled Army of One that we began just two weeks ago through the book of Ephesians chapter number four. And uh, I'm excited about today. In the sermon series, we've already learned in sermon number one that Jesus Christ is our captain of this army and he wants us to be unified. We learned this in verses one through 10 of chapter four of the book of Ephesians. Last week, we continued by understanding that we have great leadership around us, and God has given us the gifts of spiritual leaders so that we can grow and we become the army of God that he wants us to be. Today, we learn that you are in the army now, that you, being part of the army, need to understand the mindset of the Christian soldier. We are glad you're here. If you're here for the very first time, welcome. You do find us in the midst of this sermon series. I do think it'll be helpful to you, each and every one, but I need to open up by explaining kind of who I'm talking to today. I understand as a speaker that I need to analyze and adjust to every speaking situation. I need to know my audience and I need to speak to my audience. But my audience also needs to understand to whom I'm speaking. Today's sermon comes from a passage that specifically directs itself at the Christian audience. A Christian audience that lives in a non-Christian society. A Christian audience that lives in a non-Christian society that has begun to think more like the non-Christians than they do the actual followers of Jesus Christ. So if you're here today and you're kind of a seeker You're trying to learn about Jesus. You're not personally a believer in Christ. You might say, I like him, but I'm not necessarily a daily follower of Jesus. We're glad you're here. You're not a disciple of Jesus. You are not yet a believer in Christ. You're not yet truly a Christian. Um, And what you're gonna do today is you're going to observe a Christian pastor talking to a Christian audience about thinking like a Christian. So there are going to be a lot of things today that are going to seem a little bit like foreign to you, a little like you're watching insider baseball. They're talking about things that you don't necessarily agree with. Of course you don't agree with them because you're not yet a follower of Jesus. Now, if you are not a follower of Jesus and would like to become a follower of Jesus, we're going to share with you how to become a follower of Jesus after the service. But today's sermon specifically is addressing Christians in a non-Christian society who have stopped thinking like Christians and they've started thinking like the world around them. Today's sermon is entitled, Boot Camp Produces the New You. Boot Camp Produces the New You. Yeah, you're not only in the army, (laughs) my friend. Um, You're actually in boot camp. And this is not a six or eight week journey. It's called the life of sanctification. And it begins the moment you get saved and it doesn't end until you're glorified in your new life in the eternal kingdom of heaven. So in the midst of this boot camp, what's happening is your mind is being reconditioned to think like Christ. Look at what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians, or excuse me, in Ephesians chapter number four, verse 17, all the way to verse 24. Ephesians chapter number four, verse 17, all the way to verse 24. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them 
because of the blindness of their heart, who, being past feeling, have given themselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanness with greediness. But you, you have not so learned Christ, if indeed that you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. If you've ever wondered why Christians don't think like Christians, this sermon will help you. If you've ever wondered why, as a Christian, why do I think so differently than the rest of the world thinks, this sermon is going to help you. If you're a Christian and you've been backslidden from God, even though you don't know it, and you've been thinking more like, like uh, the people of the world, and, and you relate more with the rest of the world than you do the church, this sermon will help you understand why you're backslidden and will call you back to repentance and a walk with Jesus Christ once again. Let us pray. Father in heaven, my prayer is that you would do something miraculous today something truly supernatural, something that I cannot do. And that is communicate your word to your people in a way that genuinely produces life change. Holy Spirit of God, you know me, and you know I have no ability to help my friends here, but I pray that you would. As I speak your word to your people, I pray your Holy Spirit would change all of us. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Over the years, I've been surprised as a pastor to watch boys and girls go away to boot camp and come back as completely different people. How many of you have ever seen a nephew, a niece, a friend, a kid, a relative of some kind, and all of a sudden they just go away as a child, and eight weeks later they come back and you're like, who are you? The change is absolutely dramatic. We have a uh, retired Marine drill sergeant who goes to our church, and I interviewed him in preparation for this sermon and I, I asked him a few questions. Now, he was a Marine drill sergeant. How many of you agree that a Marine drill sergeant, probably a tough dude? How many of you agree with this, right? And he was a Marine drill sergeant during Vietnam. How many of you agree that that's probably even more of a tough dude, right? This guy understands uh, what it is to, uh, uh, to bring young men into adulthood, let's say. I asked him, I said, um, what is it like? What, what are you trying to accomplish? What exactly is happening at boot camp? And he said, really, the primary purpose of boot camp is to get the people thinking differently. They come in thinking of themselves in one way, and we only have a certain amount of time to get them to see themselves differently. We want them to understand by the time they go home, they are no longer who they used to be. They are now Marines. And so when they go home and they see the boys go out and do this and the group go out and do that, that's not who they are. They're a Marine now. And I'm like, well, how long does that process last? He says, well, it lasts the rest of their life. I said, what do you mean? He said, Josh, once you're a Marine, you never stop being a Marine. He said, we go through all sorts of things to break down their identity. So when they look in the mirror, they are no longer who they once were. They are now new. 
I said, you're talking about brainwashing. <laughs> and he said, now you're getting it, yes. This world has brainwashed us. They've tried to tell us that we are something that we are not. The world around you is constantly attempting to identify you as something that God says you are not. Confuse you. This is why the Gentiles, the unbelievers of this world, are so very, very deeply confused about all things. Paul, in Ephesians chapter 4, seems to have a very similar message to every, every group of Christians. In fact, it's the same message he preaches to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, saying, you're not them. You're not a Corinthian. It's the same message he gives to the Romans in Romans chapter 12. Hey, be conformed. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You're a Christian. You're no longer a Roman. To the Corinthian Christian, Corinthian Christian, you're no longer a Corinthian. To the Ephesian Christian, Christian, you're no longer an Ephesian. To the Las Vegas Christian, he would say, you're no longer a Las Vegan. Do you understand? You're no longer, to the American Christian, he'd say, you're no longer American in your thinking. Do you understand? Instead, you are a Christian who happens to live in Ephesus, who happens to live in Corinth, who happens to live in Rome, who happens to live in Las Vegas, who happens to live in America. And is as a Christian, if you don't see a stark difference in the way you think versus the way they think, it means that you're not thinking correctly. So, pastor, what's the point of the sermon today? Very simple. The main proposition for today's sermon is you're not them. I want you to say that to me. Say it back to me because I'm not either. You are not them. Say it with me. You are not them. Say it again. You are not them. Say it again. You are not them. Pastor, if I'm not mistaken, last fall you preached a very similar sermon series in Corinthians. You're not them. Yes, I did because Paul says it to every Gentile group of Christians he comes across because Gentile Christians have a very difficult time forgetting and realizing they are not who they once were. You're not them. Then who am I, Pastor? Uh, I have two thoughts today from this passage to share with you. Number one, here's the first one, you're not them. Say it with me. <laughs> Say it with me. You're not them. One more time. You're not them. You say, Who, who's them? Look at verse 17. This I say, therefore, I testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk. How many of you are followers of Jesus Christ? If you are, say Amen. You, as a follower of Jesus Christ, are no longer to walk as the other Gentiles who are not followers of Jesus Christ. You're to walk differently. Say, walk differently. In the futility of their mind. You say, well, how do the Gentiles walk? And the answer is, they walk in the futility of their mind, in the emptiness of their head. It means their mind is broken. You say, that's very offensive. Yes, now you know why they put him in prison. The Apostle Paul wrote this from the book, from prison. Why did they put him in prison? Because of statements like this, this uh, the, that they were broken in their mind. You have to, you have to. Listen to me, my friend. You have to stop thinking like these people. Even more so, listen to me. You, as a Christian, have to stop thinking that these people know what they're talking about. 
especially in the realm of morality. They have no concept of morality because they're broken. For a Christian to get moral cues from an unbeliever is the height of stupidity. So I've, I've come to the conclusion, I've really thought about it, I've thought about it in my mind, and I've come to the conclusion that there is no God. Of course you have, because you have a broken mind. Do you understand? I've thought a lot about it, Pastor. I've thought a lot about it, and I've come to the conclusion that the biblical sexual ethic is both unfair and unloving. Of course you have, because you're broken in your mind. I think a man can sleep with anybody he wants to, a woman can sleep with anybody she wants to, anytime she wants to, and I think to say anything else is bigoted. Of course you think that way, because your mind is broken. Do you understand? So I don't think my mind is broken. Of course you don't think your mind is broken, because your mind is broken. Do <laughs> you understand? I, I've, I've thought a lot about it, Pastor. I've come to the conclusion that an unborn person is not actually a human being. Of course you've come to that conclusion because your mind is broken. Your mind, your, you understand? Your mind is broken. You say, that's mean. Yes, I know it's mean. It, it appears unkind, but that's why they put Paul in prison for this. And by the way, that's why they kill him. They kill him for this. But pastor, I read a book that said the opposite of what you're saying. Yes, of course you did, because the author's mind is broken. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? You say, well, pastor, my favorite celebrity says the opposite, because their mind is broken. But pastor, I, I, I have a lot of friends who think exactly the same way I do. I know, because their mind is broken. Say, Pastor, I, I, just, I just feel, I feel like you're saying that you're the only one whose mind is not broken. Oh, don't, don't get me wrong. I've been affected by it too because I was born and raised in this world that tries to brainwash you. My mind has been broken in multiple ways because I was born a sinner and I live in a corrupted world. And so were all of the Christians in Ephesus. That's why Paul had to contact them and say, hey, stop walking as the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. You have to stop. You say, well, pastor, how do I stop this? According to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10, the apostle Paul says you need to capture every thought that you have and bring it to the obedience of Christ to see if it's true or not. Because you and I have broken minds. We've been brainwashed in the way the rest of the world thinks. We have to capture every thought, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 10 and verse 5, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself above the knowledge of God. So if you have any thought that is contrary to what the Bible says, you have to cast down that thought and you have to capture that thought. You have to bring it to the obedience of Christ and say, okay, does this thought contradict the Bible or does it support the Bible? If it contradicts the Bible, you know it's a bad thought. And if it supports the Bible, you know it's a good thought. This is how Christians think from a biblical world view. Look, it goes on. 
This I say, therefore, testify of the Lord, that you should no longer walk in the rest of the, as the rest of the Gentiles in the futility of their mind, because their mind is broken, having their understanding darkened. Look, it goes on. Having their understanding darkened, that means they cannot see. They can't see. How, how insane is it to be guided by people who are blind? Why would you be guided by somebody through life who can't see themselves? Their understanding is darkened, being alienated from the life of God. They have no life in God. They don't even follow God. If they say they believe in a God, they believe in some mystical spirit that has no personal interaction with man. They don't believe in the Son of God. These people are lost, but Christians who live in Ephesus are following them. This is the height of insanity for any Christian. Why? Because having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God, because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their hearts. Have you noticed we live in a crazy world? Have you noticed? I want to be very direct today. And I'm going to be. But I'm not going to be angry. I want to be very clear today but I don't mean to be offensive. You have to understand the insanity that you see in this world is obviously insanity because their mind is darkened, their brain is broken, and it's okay that Corinthians have broken brains. It's okay that Romans think the way they do. It's fine that Americans think the way they do, but it's not right when Christians start thinking and acting like Romans, Corinthians, Ephesians, and Americans. Amen? What kind of craziness are we talking about? Craziness like this. Look at this. A woman marries her dog live this morning. Well, I, I, I don't think that's probably what we should be doing, right? You say, but I love my dog. Yeah, yeah, sure. But, you know, we got to talk, right? Because <laughs> you're, <laughs> you're not supposed to marry your dog. Who are you to judge? Oh, I'm nobody, but I do read the mind of God. And and the Bible says that this is not right. By the way, you say, well, I don't think it's right, but I don't think you check everything by the Bible. Then who's to say it's wrong to marry your dog? Why not marry your dog? Why not marry an inanimate object like this next man? According to this next one, uh, man legally marries a doll because 2020 is officially whack. I like that. Uh, That's pretty good. Marries a doll. I've had to edit this a little bit. Here's an Australian man who, who marries an inanimate... Why? Because the world is crazy. You say, well, Pastor Josh, I think it's crazy too, but I don't think I'm... I, I, I think that that's wrong. Why is it wrong? Listen to me, listen to me. Why is this wrong? Well, I'm not a Bible thumper. Then why is it wrong? So what? Idolatry, adultery, fornication, so what? If your standard is not the scripture, then anything goes. This is, this is the world we live in. Let's see the next, the next slide here. What do we got here? My 15-year-old transgender son is going through menopause, and I'm so proud of him. Why is that wrong? You say, Pastor, you're not being very loving. Stop here for a moment. I'm a Christian pastor talking to a group of Christians And many of us, I love you, but many of us are thinking more like the world than we think as Christians. And so I have a responsibility to address that and say, Christians, 
if you're being duped into thinking like this, it's because you're thinking more like them than you actually think like Christ. It's because you spend more time watching Fox News and CNN than you do reading the Bible. Oh, ouch. No, I mean like literally. Uh, you say, move away from that point. No, 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 I'm gonna stop here for a minute. Um, literally, work up your hours in a week, 168 hours every week. How much time do you, watch, how, how much time do you spend watching the media versus how much time do you spend looking at the scripture? And this is why we think more like them than we do like Christ. This happened in our own state. Look at this. Next, next. Transgender woman wins Miss Nevada USA pageant. Very proud of it. Everybody's, everybody, everybody, everybody in Nevada, very proud of this. Why are we proud of this? Why are they so proud of this? Why, why are these, this is insanity. Gender confusion should not be something that is celebrated, but something that is counseled. Something that is looked at, not, we don't celebrate somebody when they get deathly ill, when somebody gets cancer. We don't celebrate when somebody has heart disease. We try to help them and heal them. But now our society celebrates this type of confusion and mental instability. Say, that's terrible. That's very, very unloving of you to say that. No, it's very unloving of you to validate and affirm mental disability and sinful lifestyle. I can't believe how unloving some people are. Now, there's no problem with Corinthians. Does this surprise you, by the way? There should be no surprise here. You're a Christian who lives in Las Vegas. I'm offended that Las Vegas would do something like that. Are you kidding me? They're Las Vegans. You say, but so am I. No, that's the point of the sermon. You're not them. You're not them. The problem is some of you think you can add Jesus to your life and still be a Las Vegan. No, that's not how it works. Jesus says, come out. You're done with them. Now you're a follower of me. So I have to choose? Yes. Yes. <laughs> That's exactly the point. Look, it goes on in verse 19. Who being past feeling, they have given themselves over to lewdness. Being past feeling means they have no conscience toward right and wrong anymore. None. They're past feeling. I love you, and you do me. And I, I, we both have friends and family who are past consciousness. They, they have no conscience about sin anymore. Why? Because their conscience has been defiled, according to Titus. They can't see the difference between right and wrong anymore because they've rejected God in their life. Do you see? Having their understanding, or being past feeling, having given themselves over to lewdness, that's sexual sin, to work all uncleanness with greediness. Say, Pastor Josh, I, I still, I, I just think you're wrong on these things. I just think you're absolutely wrong. I'm a Christian, but I've come to the conclusion that none of these things are evil. Okay, all right, okay. You just need to be honest then. I don't have a problem with you, I love you, but you need to be honest. Stop calling yourself a Christian. Just be one of, just be one of, be a Las Vegan. Nothing wrong with that, you're just unconverted. You say, no, no, I am a follower of Jesus. No, if you were a follower of Jesus, you would follow 
you would follow Jesus. You say, but I really am a Christian. If you were a Christian, you would study and believe the Bible. So my call today here is for those who call themselves Christians but think more like the world to just stop calling yourselves Christians so that maybe there's a chance you might eventually repent of your sin and receive Christ as Savior and be genuinely converted. But you cannot serve both masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other or despise the one and hold to the other. You cannot serve God and mammon, period. So what do I do? Think, okay, man, I'm thinking, that's the problem, pastor. I've been thinking wrong. What do I do? What do I do? Well, you have a choice. If you've been thinking improperly, you have a choice. You can either repent of your Christianity, walk away from Christ, and fully embrace the lifestyle of the world. I'm talking specifically to younger generation here. Walk away from Jesus and completely embrace the other side of the world and see, see where it goes. Or you can repent of your wicked thought process, repent, genuinely. To repent means there's a change of mind about these things that leads to a change of lifestyle. Repent of the world and follow after Christ. Now, if you say, what do I do if I really have been thinking improperly? Here's what I'm going to say, and it might come across offensive, but I don't mean it this way. Christian, you need counseling. I cannot, in a 35-minute sermon, undo years and years and years of brainwashing. Some of, these, some of these children, people even into their 20s, they have grown up in the academic systems of this world that have, been, that have been brainwashing them to think a certain way. I cannot in 35 minutes change you. You need Christian counseling. And we provide it here. We provide it right here at Southern Hills. You say, I, I think I think wrong about gender dysphoria. I think I think wrong about sexuality. I think I think wrong about the, ca- the, the, the way uh, the financial systems work in the world. I think I think wrong. I don't think biblically. What do I do? I would say seek counseling. Now, you need to be in church every Sunday, so at least you get 35 minutes of Bible every Sunday in time to worship Jesus. You need to be in a small group so you're surrounding yourself with other Christians who can speak into your life. And you can be like, wow, I didn't realize we Christians do think this way, not that way. You need to be in the word of God every day, but I'm telling you, some of you really do think so improperly about some of these worldly issues that you need counseling. And if we cannot help you in regards to your counseling, marital, premarital, family, financial, career counseling, we encourage you to go to our partner ministry. And our partner ministry, go ahead and put up that slide. Our partner ministry is called, um, is it, is, do we have a slide on that? And, and I forgot the name of it because it's the first sermon. Oh, there it is. All right. Renewing Life Center. Every single one of these counselings here and there help you to start thinking like a Christian and a Christian thinks like the Bible. Do you understand? By the way, this sermon is not a rally up the troops and get angry at the world sermon. This is a practical how to stop thinking like them to actually start thinking like a Christian. Repent. God, I was wrong. I think wrongly. Help me to think rightly. Be around Christians and they'll help you. Number one, here's what you need to understand now that you're in the army. Number one, you're not them. Can I say, say it with me? You're not them. Number two, number two, here's the second one. Here it is, number two. You're a new man. Or if you're a woman, you're a new woman. Say, so what do you mean, pastor? Look at what it goes on to say in verses 20 all the way to verse 24. The first thing we're called to do, practically, this is what you can do, start to study Jesus. 
study Jesus. So verse 20, he goes on, but you have not so learned Christ. You, didn't, you, you don't think like an Ephesian because you're a follower of Christ. You think like an Ephesian because you were raised in Ephesus. You don't think like a Las Vegan because you follow Christ. You think like a Las Vegan because you were born in Las Vegas or, or where, somewhere about. So then what do I need to do? I need to start focusing my study on Christ. Christ. Corinthians will act like Corinthians. Ephesians will act like Ephesians. Romans will act like Romans. Look at verse 21, goes on. But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed that you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. If you want to seek truth, you seek Jesus. What does Jesus say on this? What do the followers of Jesus say? What do the disciples of Jesus say? What do the apostles of Jesus say? What does the interpreted scripture, inspired scripture actually say? First, we study Jesus. Secondly, he gives an analogy. You take off the old you. Look, look, number two here. You're the new man, so study Jesus. Take off the old you. Take off the old you. You say, what do you mean, the old me? This theology, this doctrine teaches there is an old you and a new you. How many of you have lived long enough in your life, you're like, yeah, there is an old me. All right, I don't mean that old you. I mean the old way to think versus the new way to think. Have, is it true of you? You've been a Christian for so many years, yet sometimes you still think like the old you? Does that happen to you? I've been a Christian now, follower of Jesus since I was 10 years old. And there's something embedded in me that even, even now, I will think, after 30 years of following Jesus, there will be thoughts that go through my mind. I'm like, where did that thought come from? The old me is still alive inside of me. And I have to take off that old man every single day. Look, it goes on in verse 22. It says that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. The old you is corrupt. The old you believes deceitful thoughts. It follows your deceitful desires. The old you eats up the lies of the world. The old you loves to eat up the philosophies of the world around you. It desires those things. It eats up those things. You have to take that off. It goes on in verse 23. Look at what it says. And do what? And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Your mind has been broken because you were raised in a weird situation and you think like the weird people around you. But now you're a follower of Christ, and sometimes as you follow Christ, you start thinking like you used to think, and God says, stop it, follow Christ, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. This is what it's saying. Romans chapter 12, verse two makes this very clear. It says, don't be conformed to the world around you, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Take off the old you, pastor, Pastor, I'm a Christian, but I've been thinking wrongly. What do I do? Here's what you do. Listen, listen. Repent. When I say repent, I don't mean you have to come up here and rip your clothes and be like, God, I'm sorry. Okay, some of us think of repenting in the same sense of like, I got caught in a sin, so I need to cry to make people around me believe I'm sad. All right, that's not what I'm talking about, about repent. Repent literally means change your mind. Stop thinking like them. Change your mind. And what will happen with that change of mind is your lifestyle will begin to change after 
your mind does. You're a new man. Study Jesus, take off the old, and put on the new. Okay, this, this part you're gonna absolutely love. Put on the new you. How do you put on the new you? This, it's a clothing analogy. Look, it says, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God, in true righteousness and holiness. It's like putting on clothing. New clothes signify the ceremony that took place. New clothes signify the ceremony. Say signify the ceremony, say it with me. Signify the ceremony. You ever, how many of you had a graduate this last, my son graduated from high school just, just a couple months ago. And you know what they made him do? He's never worn a dress in his life. You know what they made him do? They made him put on a big blue gown and a crazy square, he never wore a square hat in his whole life. And now he's wearing a square hat. Like, why is he wearing the square hat? You're like, it's tradition. But why? Why the square hat? Why the rope? And he looks in the mirror, and what does he see? What does he see? Here's what he sees. He sees the new him. We as humans sometimes dress differently to signify the ceremony that is taking place. I love weddings. I do a lot of weddings. As pastor, it's part of the gig. You know what I love at a wedding? I love at a wedding, both the bride and the groom. Favorite thing, of course, right, Trite? But I love that watching the bride and the groom. Man, they're just loving every minute. I love the nervous groom, you know? It's all kind of antsy. I always shake their hand, he's sweaty, and I'm like, they're disgusting, you know? And I'm <laughs> all nervous and everything. And then the moment where the bride comes down the aisle in that beautiful, what? A white dress. Why does she wear a white dress? Because... It signifies the ceremony. When she looks in the mirror, she is saying, I am no longer what I was. I have put on what I am now. I am now a wife. Do you see? Do you understand? What happens when somebody goes to boot camp? What are they given? They're given a uniform. Part of the breaking down process of the old person is to say, you're no longer one of the boys who hangs out at the Texaco. Say, where did you grow up? I don't know where that came from. I don't <laughs> You're a Marine now. And when you look in the mirror and you see that, you don't see who you were. You see who you now are. So what Christ says is take off the old and put on the new. Start seeing yourself as a Christian. Not them them. It reminds me of one of the parables Jesus told about a, a son who ran away from the father. And as he ran away from the father, it's referred to as the prodigal son, he runs into the far country and he lives wickedly. Now, he wasn't part of the world, but he started living like the world. He was always the son of the father back on the farm but he start living as if he was not a son. And maybe you're a Christian today and you identify with this. You're like Pastor Josh. You had moments in your life where you were running away from God, the Father, and you were living like you were not a son of God. And what happens when he finally repents and changes his mind and says, I've got to go back to my father. He comes back and the very first thing that the father does is he embraces him and he takes off his old clothes and he puts on a new ring and a new garment, doesn't he? And he says, welcome and celebrate for my son who was lost is now found. What is God saying to you? 
God is saying to you, I love you, welcome back, you gotta start thinking differently. Take off the world's philosophies and put on the spirit of Christ and start thinking, not like an Ephesian, not like a Corinthian, not like a Roman, not like an American, like a Christian. And if you do, you'll be well on your way to understanding the last few verses of chapter four. Next week, the mindset of a Christian soldier. Let us pray. Father, thank you for your word. My prayer today is that you would help it to sink in. I pray, Father, today, in these few moments, you would do something supernatural. You would eradicate from our minds the scores and hundreds of hours of worldly philosophy that we've bought into because your word is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. I pray it would pierce right to the heart and change us from the inside out. This we pray in the name of Jesus Christ.